Hey, people, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for joining with us. This is our Life Church Home broadcast, and this is available on iTunes or it's on our website. And we hope that you spend some time finding more about our ministry. I pray that it impacts your life as much as it has here at Life Church. I was struck by a scripture that's in 1 Corinthians, and it's in chapter 11, and it's just verse 1. It's one simple statement. One simple statement, but yet it's profound and challenging to the core. And it's actually something that Paul said in the Bible, and he said this. He said, imitate me, or other versions say, follow me as I follow him. Follow me as I follow him. I've been arrested by that thought for, like I said, about six months. That, wow, what a statement to make. That this guy who knew people were now following him, this guy that knew he was to gather people for the cause of Christ, this guy had the audacity and the confidence to stand up in front of people and say, hey, it's okay, you can follow me because I know exactly who I am following. And this morning, if you like a title, I titled this message, follow me as I follow dot, dot, dot. Just write a dot, 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 because the fact is you have to decide what that statement is over your life. You have to decide what that dot, dot, dot looks like over your life. If you were to say to your friends, to your family, follow me as I follow, what would the blank be? And I think it's a challenge. I think it's something we all need to ask ourselves because the fact is whether you are aware of it or not, people are following you. See, we are here this morning praying a prayer of dedication over kids. But the fact is, who are the kids going to follow for the first 10, 12 years of their life, 13, 14 years of their life? They're going to follow the people that are bringing them up here and saying we dedicate. They're going to follow their parents. And so it's their parents that have to be mindful of, well, who am I following? Because these people behind me are following me as I follow dot, dot, dot. And I think the challenge in all of our life is to be able to answer this statement in a way that like Paul, we could stand up and say, it's okay, you can follow me because I am actually following him. You know, one of the biggest challenges of leadership is that we never lose our followership. And one of the things that God has consistently in this last year of our journey, Steve and I, and in the journey with the church and with our team, one of the things that I am brought back to every single time is I better be way better at following him than I am leading of you. Because by following him, I know that the leadership of this church is safe. If we are followers first, if we're not doing our thing, but we're following God's thing, if we are dedicated to saying what God needs to be said, to putting finance into where God asks us to put it, to build how God asks us to build, then we can safely say like Paul, it's okay, you can follow us because we're committed to follow him. We all have to fill that blanket, all of us. And today, I guess I'm asking on a dedication Sunday for us to have a brand new awareness of this question in our own life, of this kind of thought in our own life. Follow me as I go where, where? And you might say, well, I don't really know where I'm going. Yeah, but who are you following? Because you'll be following someone. You'll either be following peer pressure or you'll be following your parents, or you'll be following a family traditional way of doing life, or you'll be following some kind of legalism and laws, or you'll be following a leader that's made you do certain things or asking you to do certain things, or you're following people's expectations. 
You can be following what you think is popular or what you think is trendy. You can be following your career and therefore you're sold out for your career. But I'm asking, what is the blank for you? And therefore, where does God fit in the scenario? Because if you're following your career, your career will only take you so far. And if you're following peer pressure, that will only take you where they want you to be. There's only one person you can follow that knows you better than anyone else. There's only one person you can follow who is pure of heart. There's only one person you can follow whose love is unconditional, whose grace is never ending, whose mercy is always flowing, who forgives you when other people would walk away from you. There's only one person that I have found that you can follow who truly, truly is righteous and just, and that is Christ. That's why we sang in our worship, Christ is enough for me. I have decided to follow Jesus because I've found in him something I can't find anywhere else. I find when I follow him, he has no secret agenda that he's trying to take me off on tangent. I find with him there is no personality clash. I find with him there is no kind of twisting of my arm. I find with him acceptance. I find with him love and I find with him truth and I find with him justice. And maybe you have never ever decided to follow Jesus. Well, today I can't recommend it highly enough. It changed my life. It changed many of the lives around you. It will always, always be a plumb line that makes sure that you're going in the right direction. And it will address the things of your heart that maybe other things that you've followed have taken out of the way. We've got to be aware. I think we all have to have a responsibility that people are following us. Do you realize how much people are following your life? See, many of you are here as guests of the dedication today and you're here because you followed someone that invited you to the place where they go and you followed them in here and you trusted them that when you got here, weird things would not happen to you. And we hope they haven't. But you follow and you've got to be aware there are people behind you following you. Do you know that people watch you? Do you understand that you have a responsibility? Do you understand that in your workplace, people might not say it, but they're watching what you do. They're looking at how you handle. People are following how you deal with that tension and that conflict. And they're following how you build your life and your marriage. And we've got to get more aware that we have people following us so that we are more responsible about who we are following. It was when Noah was still uh, in my womb, I was pregnant and we just moved into a new house. And uh, we were in the middle of painting and decorating and there was a builder over and he needed um, cash. He wanted some cash to go and buy something and I didn't have any cash on me. And so my hubby said to me, you know, you go and get the cash out, but hurry up because, you know, this guy, if we don't get the cash, we can't get the job finished. And, you know, I was pregnant. I was hormonal. I'd even had the whole overalls on going on and I paint everywhere and I don't even think I put shoes on my feet. And I just jumped in the car and I kind of backed out of our brand unit, brand new hat. We just literally, that was the day we got the keys. We just literally arrived in this small, tiny neighborhood. And so I whiz my car out the drive, back it out. I fly down the street. I go to the cash point. I jump out in my barefoot, bare feet with my dungarees, paint splashes everywhere, big pregnant belly. I get the cash out. I jump back. I was parked on double yellow lines. I jump back in the car. I, I, I put my seatbelt on. I, I speed off up the hill to our brand new house. And I had no idea who was following me. No idea that there was a little blue light following me. Not a clue. So much so that I actually pulled into our new neighborhood, parked the car in my drive, had my head down counting the money out on my knee when there was a tap on my windscreen. And I went, 
And I looked and there was a big, bold policeman with the full gear on, banging on my window for me to put it down. I put it down and I said, hello. And he said, hello, young lady. I already liked him. I said, uh, he said, do you know that I have followed you down the hill to the cash point where you parked on double yellow lines and didn't have a seatbelt on and then followed you back up the hill at twice the speed limit for this area and I followed you onto your drive where I am now parked behind you. You do not seem to be aware that I followed you. Now I am letting you know I'm not, I'm not proud of this behavior just so you know. I'm not proud of my speeding or my reckless driving. Okay. I'm blaming the hormones, the fact that I was pregnant and I was under pressure to get the cop fit together for the baby that was coming. Those were my excuses. But the point is, he had followed me all that way, and I was completely oblivious. He'd followed me all that way into the neighborhood where I lived, and I was completely oblivious. And when he banged on my window, I was shocked. And then I regretted my behavior that he had been following. I regretted the speed that he'd seen me travel at. I regretted the carelessness with which I'd been traveling. I regretted the fact that I had misbehaved in the way I had. I regretted it, but it was too late because he'd followed it to my house. Now at that point, I didn't say, hi, yeah, I'm one of the pastors of Life Church. But all he needed to do was pull up my registration and he would find my occupation and he would see where I go and all of a sudden the trail would be connected. And I was reminded of that incident when I was thinking of this message, because I wonder how many times we are doing reckless driving, totally unaware of who is behind us. And that's why I love this morning, because the parents are saying, whoa, I want to be aware of who I am driving. I want to be aware of who is following me. I want to be aware that these kids, whether they are three months old or whether they are three years old, I have decided to, to, to make a stop in my journey and recognize they are actually following me. And I better know who I am following. You might not even be aware today of the people following you, but today I want you to become aware and I want you to become aware in a way that makes you more than ever committed to follow the right things. Who you follow will affect your pace. Who you follow will affect where you end up. And I'm going to take you to a story in my last 15 minutes. I told you I'd keep it short. In John 1 verse 35, and this is a beautiful picture of how following does certain things in your life. And this will exemplify to you the importance of following well and following right. And it's in John 1 and it's verse 35. And it says this, it says, the next day, this, the title of it says, John's disciples follow Jesus. I love that. I love that it's saying that John had disciples, but he didn't want to keep them for himself. He wanted his disciples to follow who he was following. John was not like, well, these are my disciples. Well, these are my church members. Well, these are my group. Well, this is my friends. John was like, no, I don't want to tie you into me. I want to point you to who I am following. So I love even that subheading that John's disciples followed Jesus and he had no attitude about it. That was his greatest joy. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And the first thing I want you to know about following, if you're taking notes, is what you follow, you lead others to. Just like I mentioned, what you follow, you lead others to. I watched a documentary on Channel 5 this week. I can't remember what time it was on and some of you may have seen it. 
I don't know if it was five, maybe it was another. It was, I was just flicking. I had jet lag and I was flicking. And it was a, a, a young, trendy guy. I think he used to be a TV presenter or a sports presenter. Richard, I can't remember his name. But this guy was cool. And anyway, he basically was following a preacher for a week out in Africa. He was following this uh, guy that was a preacher that had a huge church. And, and the program basically was tracking him as he followed this guy and had access to this guy. And, and it was really him going back to his hotel at night, sharing his thoughts about what he had seen. And then the sad thing is that what he saw was not good. The sad thing is that at the end of each day, he was not sure what this God was about that this guy was following. He would draw conclusions like, I think it's all about the money, or I think it's kind of all about everybody thinking that he's the man, the man, the man, or I think it's about, you know, what, you know, what he says. And he, and he came to this conclusion that he was like, I, I, I'm not really sure what your God looks like. And I thought, God help us if the world are following us and we say we love Christ and yet they walk away with no idea what Christ is like, how he loves, how he forgives, how he's gracious, how he's good, how he has time for people. God help us if we don't be aware like that guy didn't seem to be aware. And at one point in the documentary, the guy became uncomfortable with what was being said about him. And so he shut down the guy following him. He actually sent bodyguards to tell the guy at his hotel, you cannot come to church. I was like, I don't think that Jesus would do that. I think Jesus would say, even though you might not like me and you might disagree with me, you know what? You can still come to church. Maybe you'll find something in the atmosphere that, you know, will help you and bless you and And I I just thought, you know what? And I don't know that guy, so I'm not knocking that guy. But it was through the eyes of this guy that didn't know God, didn't know anything about God. And his impressions of God were purely based on what he had followed. And so are the world's. The world's impressions of God and the world's impression of Christianity and the world's impression of faith and believing in God are purely based on what they see you follow. If you in your office are the only one that loves God and believes God, they base their impression of God on whether you're kind or whether you're grumpy, whether you're moody, whether you're righteous, whether you are mean, whether you have a sharp tongue, whether you curse people out, whether you are courteous, whether you are forgiving, whether you are gracious, they look at you and they make a conclusion about who it is that you're leading them to. What you follow, you lead others to. John was following Jesus and therefore John's disciples, it says in a heartbeat when the two disciples heard him, they followed him. I love that. It was like, we've seen enough of what John believes. We've seen enough of what's in John. Whatever he's following is good for me. That's how it should be. That whatever you're following is good for me because it seems to be doing your marriage good. I hope and I pray this morning for you that are visiting that as you come and you watch the family that you are here to support, I pray to God that you would see something in them and you go, you know what? That's good for me. I like how you have that peace that I can't find. Let, tell me where you got it from and you can say, follow me. I'll, I'll show you where I got it from because I am not a peaceable person, but I found somebody that is peace. I'm not an unconditional love kind of guy, but I actually found somebody that is like that and he's teaching me to love better. What you follow, you'll lead others to. Secondly, what you follow reveals what you want. It's interesting, isn't it, that as soon as they say yes to following him and they decide to follow him, the next thing that Jesus does is amazing. He turns around and it says in verse 38, turning around, Jesus saw that they began to follow him. And so he asked them, what do you want? What do you want? You know what Jesus was doing? He was checking that they were following him for the right reasons. 
He was saying, I don't want you following me thinking that you're going to end up somewhere that I'm not going to take you. If you're following me because you want success, if you're following me because you want to be Mr. Popular, if you're following me because you think it's cool, that's not going to sustain this relationship. What is it that you want? What you want in life will determine what you follow. If you want success, you will chase that sucker. You will leave your family for it. You'll work all hours God sends for it. You will be up all night. You will be up early in the morning. It will all be about the financial and the stress that goes with it. If you follow that, if you chase that, if that's what you want, you'll go to the place where that's what you can get. If what you want is the lust of your heart, you'll follow the places that will entertain the lusts of your heart. What you want will determine and reveal who you follow. You know, what you want stirs up an appetite. And therefore, you go to the place that feeds you the appetite that you have on the inside. Remember the old nursery or fairy tale or whatever it is about Hansel and Gretel? They were hungry and so they followed the bread. But the bread led them to a place where they became dinner. And the enemy's really good at that. He lays down all kinds of stuff in our path and asks us, would you like to eat this? And then we begin to eat it and then we get hungry for some more. And then we get hungry for some more. And then we get hungry for some more. And then the thing that we had been eating from ends up eating away at us. Be careful. Ask yourself, what do I want? What do I really want? I mean, not do I want in this instant that will satisfy an urge or a craving, but what do I want for the next 25 years of my life? And then ask yourself if what you're following is feeding what you want. If what you're eating from is helping you. That's why on Sunday when we come together and we open the Bible, it should not be irrelevant. The Bible should not be a list of rules and regulations. It should be food that helps you to have a meal that takes you on to your next part of the journey, that gives you something that you can live off, that you can feed your kids off, that you can feed off in your workplace. What you follow will reveal what you want. And Jesus says to them, what do you want? Because I don't want you coming behind me for something that I will not be feeding you. I don't want you following me for something that you think that I am a quick fix for. I want you to follow me for the right reasons. You know, in this church, we're not about twisting people's arms to follow Jesus. We're about asking the question, what is it you want in life? What is it you want in life? Well, I would like peace. I know a person that has peace. Well, I would like happiness. I know a place you can find happiness and it's not in stuff and it's not in things and it's not in material game. Well, I want to be restored. I know a place where you can find restoration, but that has to be really what you want. What you want will determine what you follow. Then it says, they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon and Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did, I love this, this proves it again, that what you follow, you will lead others to. The first thing Andrew did was go find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah that is the Christ and he brought him to Jesus. You bring people to what you follow. Jesus looked at him, check this out, and said, you are Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which translated is Peter. In other words, Jesus' first introduction to this dude is, hi, I know you're Simon, but from now on, you're Peter, because what you follow will define you. What you follow will define you. And here's what I've decided. 
I don't want to go through my life with a label called Simon if inside me is Peter. Peter meant rock, solid, strong one, one that could take the weight and bear weight. And Jesus in an instant said, I'm glad you've come to me because you're living your life under a label that does not suit you and is not who you will become. But once you begin to follow me, I will draw out of you the things I put in you from the day you were born. I will draw out of you the things that you were destined to do and you don't even know them. You know, the thing about God is he knows you better than you know yourself. He really does. The Bible says that he knit you together in your mother's womb, that he knew you before you were here. And I know that's a big thought to get your head wrapped around, but why would you let other people define you when he's the one that knows all about you? I don't want people to define me. I want God to define me. Thank God that he sees things in us that nobody else does. Has anyone ever had the label loser attached to them? Or is it just me? I have. I remember at school, I was talking to my daughter recently about school and teachers and the importance of teachers because teachers can try and define you way before you're ready. And I remember at school, I was terrible at maths. And even now, Hope's homework, her maths homework is a challenge. And when she brings it home, I'm like, you know, you're not going to ask me for help with that. She's like, mom, I'm not even going to show you it because you'll fail it for me. And I was like, go see your father. I married well. I married someone that understands maths homework. This is a good thing. Something to consider in your marriage choices if you're single. What you're not very good at, find someone that is because one day you will have homework and it will scare you to death. And so I sent her to her dad in his office with her maths homework and she said, Mum, why don't you like maths? And I began to tell her, you know what, Hope? I'll tell you why I didn't like maths. Because when I started off in in, uh, middle school back then, it was middle school, my maths teacher told me that I was the slowest in the class. And I was useless at maths. And he began to tell me every time. And I would get in fear because he was defining me before I had ever really found out whether I could do it or not. And he began to shut me down. And I would sit and I would get hot sweats as I tried to learn my times tables. Anybody have to learn their times tables? I still don't know my times tables. I'm sorry. Yes, I admit it on the platform. I do not know my times table. But the funny thing is, it's not stopped God from using me. So, just so you know. But you still need to learn your times tables. And Noah, they do this thing with Steve where they stand there back to back with a gun and they do the shootout and they have to turn around and give an answer for the timetable and he'll just fire them out. Well, when he's not there and I'm at home, they ask me to read them out and they give an answer and they look at me and I'm like, um, I don't even know if that's right. Yes, good one. Yes, yes. And Hope will go, Mom, that's not the right answer. And I'm like, No, that's not the right answer. What is the right answer? 68. Okay, 68. I have no idea, but the kids have this whole thing going on, which makes me feel very, very unintelligent. But at school, when I was learning my times table, the teacher that taught me, told me I had to go and stand in a rubbish bin because I was not doing well in my times table and I had to stand in the bin for the whole maths lesson. And I'll never forget that one day we came in and we had a maths assessment and I did not do well and I was struggling on my paper and he picked up a chair. And he threw the chair at me. And he said, I don't even know why you bother coming to this lesson. And I tell you, that defined me. And I decided never again am I bothered about maths because I was upset, I was hurt, I was angry and it shut something down on the inside of me. Now if that can happen to a girl in a maths lesson, I know it can happen to a guy in a job. 
I know it can happen to someone in a marriage. I know it can happen to someone as a parent whose kid goes off and says, you're the worst parent ever. I know that things can try and define you and label you. And so you sit there with a failure as a parent over your head or rubbish in business over your head or terrible in relationships. So I'll just avoid them or divorce statistic or whatever it is that you sit with a label. But I tell you, when he came to Jesus... Simon came to Jesus and he looked at him and I said, and he said, I don't really care who gave you that label. I'm telling you, inside you is a rock. I'm telling you, inside you is strength. I'm telling you, if you keep following me, you will become Peter. You have something else inside of you. And that's what we will not do with these kids as they come into our kids' church and as they come into our youth and as they come and we have seniors' ministry and we have a women's ministry that will be here on Wednesday when we get together with mums that are free in the day and, and, and all different business people and different people that meet all throughout our church. Our goal is to not put a label on anybody that does not fit them, but to say, you know what, we didn't create you. But what we'll do is we'll follow the one that did so that anything that we say or anything we preach or anything we put on will come from who we are following, not from what we see. Because if we say what we see, we're going to keep you small. But if we say what he sees, you're going to grow. You're going to expand. You're going to regroup. Let him define you. Follow the one that can define you better than anyone else. Let him define you. If you're in here today and you don't like the label that's ended up on your life, start following the one who can change it. It's never too late. I don't care how long you've been doing life. Maybe you're in here today and you're like, well, I'm in my 50s and I've kind of made a lot of choices. And you know what? I'll never change. Well, you know, when you switch and start following something different, it's amazing how easy it becomes to change. You just have to stop following what you're following just have to stop chasing what you're chasing. And what you follow finally will affect what you see. I love this. Because there's things that I am seeing right now that I never ever thought a girl that was born in Dewsbury, brought up in Bradford, should get to see. There's places I'm going, there's people I'm meeting, there's conversations I'm having, there's miracles I'm seeing and witnessing, there's things like this church and the expansion and the growth in our house that I'm getting to be part of. And I think I never thought I would see that. But when you follow him, you end up seeing things that in your natural ability, you could never make happen. And I don't want to see the things that I can make happen. I don't want to just see the things that I can muster up all by myself. I want to see miracles. I want to see breakthroughs. I want to see unusual. I want to see better. I want to see brighter. And if you read the story underneath, because time's gone, it goes on and and the same thing happens right underneath because Jesus calls Philip and Nathaniel and Philip goes and brings who he is connected to, to Jesus. And then Jesus defines Nathaniel and says, you truly are someone in which there's no deceit. That was the first line. Jesus is saying, I see you, I define you. There's no deceit in you. And then it says this, that Jesus says to him at the end, he says, very truly, I tell you, if you follow me, you will see heaven. You'll see heaven open. You'll see angels ascending and descending. And I read that and I'm like, I want to follow where you're going. I want to see what you see. There's a beautiful verse in Galatians 3, verse 11 in the Message Bible. And he's talked about, you know, do we live a life that follows rules and religion? 
And the scripture's basically saying, you can't follow rules and religion. You just have to follow him. And then he says this, the person who lives a life that's following him, that has a right relationship with God, does it by embracing what God arranges for him. I love that. Doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. And you know, when you follow God, you walk into things that God has arranged for you. You just walk into it. You're like, how did that happen? Where did that, where did that fix come from? Where did that answer come from? I just walked into something. It was like, it was like they knew I was coming. Yeah, God knew you were coming. Why? Because he knows you're behind him. When he knows you're following him, he can set stuff up for you to just walk into. And I am so mindful. We had a conversation this week, Jock and I, about the album, which I've been listening to the rough drafts of our new album, My Car, and it's awesome. But you know, with an album comes all the record label and all the marketing and all the stuff that goes with it. And the bottom line is, as we sat in the office, Jock and I and Steve talking about it, I just said to Jock, you know what? At the end of the day, this album has come from us following him. And at the end of the day, if this album's supposed to go anywhere outside of our house, I'd rather step into what God's arranged for me than what I arranged for God. But when you follow him, you walk into what God's arranged for you, which takes huge pressure off you. Listen to me, men. Some of you men in here that are trying to arrange everything all by yourself for your family, trying to arrange everything all by yourself to take care of everybody, to make sure everything seems to be in control. You know what? The best thing you can do is follow me to your family as I follow him. Because when I follow him as a man and as a husband and as a dad and as a father, as I follow him, I'm going to walk you into things that he's arranged for us that I don't have to sweat about. I'm telling you, it sounds simple, but it's really hard because there are many things in life that are going to ask you to follow them. So today I'm reminding us again to decide. I'm just going to follow him. What does that mean? It means be mindful of him. It means dedicating like we did this morning, your day to him. It means putting down things that you know are you and saying, I'll only pick it back up, God, if that's what this looks like. It means saying sorry because he's a God that forgives. It means putting down your anger and picking up peace because he's a God that has peace. It means following him in the way that you speak to others. It means following him in how you care for those around you. It means following him in your temper, in your moodiness. It means following him in your grace and in your goodness. It means following him with how you sow your finance and how you make choices about your family and your children. It's pretty easy. And yet it can be so complicated. And I want our leadership. I want you to see before you see Steve or I or any of the team. I pray to God that what you see are two people, three people, four people, however many are up here leading this house. I pray what you see is before you see us, you see people that just are following. And that means that sometimes we'll go, oh, I think we just actually lost Jesus a moment. Let's come back online. Or, oh, maybe that wasn't the best call. Why? Because nobody's perfect. Paul didn't say, follow me because I've got this perfectly down. He said, just follow me as I keep following him. And I'm going to try and follow him really well. We're bothered in this church, not about your membership, but about your followership. We just want you to be brilliant followers. Because if you're following him, everything else is going to fall into place. I'm going to ask us all to stand to our feet.
30 minutes go so fast. Now I ask a question, was that a better use of 30 minutes than EastEnders? I hope so. Seriously. Because you just followed something that built you rather than broke you, depressed you. It's as simple as that. Why do we come to church in the morning? Why do we come to church at night? Because it's a good choice. It's a good follow. I'm going to ask everyone just to remain still just as we close our service. We actually have an exciting announcement you don't want to miss. We want to tell you something, church, but we're waiting right to the end. So you're going to have to hold on a few more minutes. There's something you don't want to miss that we want to tell you about. Let's just close our eyes all across the room. Father, I thank you for this house, for this family, for this church. Lord, I thank you for the amazing ability that you have given us, that you allow us to follow you, that you invite us all to follow you. You extend your hand to our life and you say, come with me, let me help you. Let me take you into things I've already planned and arranged for you. And Lord, I pray in this house, there would be a sea of followership. There will be hearts that put you first, that commit again, that commit afresh to following you.